Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary, this midweek edition. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you all so much for downloading and for listening, or those of you watching on YouTube. Uh, again, my name is Peter Klein. You can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show, CouchPotatoDiary at Yahoo.com. Coming up on the show today, the Toronto Blue Jays with their biggest win of the year. CFL power rankings continue uh, as we kind of pass the halfway point of the CFL season, and we continue our NFL preview by stepping away from current stuff in the NFL and taking a look at what's going on all time. Just giving an all time player ranks, which I'm sure will create no conversation whatsoever. So uh, thank you all so much for downloading. Like I said, for listening, if you are listening, uh, rate, review, subscribe wherever you can. If you're watching us on YouTube, uh, us, it's me, my two cats and my dog in here. Um, it is uh, um, you, uh, YouTube. That's where I was. My cat just came up and, and said hi. You can, on YouTube, you can see the ears. Um, but yes, YouTube, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Uh, let's get into it with a little bit of talk around the Toronto Blue Jays. More cat. More, more cat was always needed on this show. Um, all right, so the Toronto Blue Jays pick up what I think is their biggest win of the year last night in a extra innings win over the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, this is a Baltimore team that Toronto has struggled with, and to, to come away with a win... Bye, Bailey. Um, she's an O's fan. It's it's touchy. But to come away from this one with a, a victory, Kikuchi has a bit of a rough one. Uh, four and two-thirds, seven hits, three runs only, but that's, I mean... Seven hits is a lot. He walked a couple more as well. So it wasn't his best outing. But to come away from that one with a victory and now set yourself up where Gosman goes tonight and now you're starting to feel like you're in a pretty good spot, this could get a little bit interesting for this Blue Jays club. And they need it so badly right now with what Seattle is doing. And I think right now from a Blue Jays perspective, you have to stop maybe looking at... um, Stop looking at just Seattle. I think... Arizona's in play, or not Arizona, um, that'd be nice, um, I think the Astros are in play, and I think the Texas Rangers are in play right now as well, um, as the, the Rangers tried to load up, but they are kind of coming back down to everyone, as is Tampa Bay, The uh, it would be nice if the Blue Jays could get this thing going in the division as well, but for right now, there's a few teams that I think the Blue Jays can set their sights on, and they only have to pass like one of them if they're going to get into a playoff spot, so th- this is... It's an exciting time for the Blue Jays. And then again, to come up with some of the big hits that they, they ended up getting. God, there's cat hair everywhere. Um, to, to come away with some of the big hits that they were ended up getting. Brandon Belt has just continues to be such a revelation for this team. He comes up with a big hit in this one. But those are the, the types of hits that this team had been missing for quite a while. So for Toronto to come away from that. Hi, Bailey, again. Uh, Toronto to, to come away from this game with a victory is a, a just... Oh, it feels so good. And now Gosman um, giving them a, a chance to win the series tonight in Baltimore. The, this is a Blue Jays team. We've said it before. It, they are just like a few guys improving just a little bit away from turning into um, a, a real contender in the big leagues. And so I, I have not ruled out anything yet when it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays and, and their kind of place right now in the American League. So it, it feels very good to be a Blue Jays fan today. And as I've said before, as my cat continues to, to make appearances, as I have said before, that this is a, a team that has a, I think, real shot of doing some damage. The, you don't love a, a rough outing from Kikuchi, but you love that they were able to, to kind of minimize a lot of the damage anyway and still come away with a, a win. So great things ahead, I think, for the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, nothing 
real in-depth on this. It's just amazing to see the Yankees complete free fall. And now, what looked like a burden at the end of the year where the Jays had Yankees-Tampa Bay, Yankees-Tampa Bay, now you are looking at the Yankees are probably going to bring up their kids. I don't think that's going to make a world of difference for this team right now. Can any of them pitch? Not really. Um, so I don't think that's going to make a world of difference. And Tampa Bay, for a number of different reasons, are in a world of hurt as well right now. So that end of the season could be perfect timing and great luck for the Blue Jays instead of the burden that we thought it was going to be when the season began and when the schedule was released last year. So big time for the Blue Jays. And now it is a big time for football fans as we get into some CFL talk. We have a change at the bottom of our CFL power rankings. Um, I don't know if they're no longer the worst team in the CFL, but I mean, they got their first win. So we, we got to bump them out of there for one week. Um, it is the Edmonton Elks moving up to eight and dropping down in the nine spot, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. It's been a disaster year out in Hamilton. Um, I mean, they're still they're still in it because that whole division continues to be kind of bad. But th this is uh, a real rough one for, for Hamilton. And now Edmonton... Trey Ford just bringing some life into this team. They have major changes, a lot of controversy around this team, and it's just, it has to be great for them to come away with an actual W in this game. So congratulations to them for moving up from nine to eight. In at seven, the Ottawa Red Blacks. Um, I had faith a while ago, and that uh, that is dwindling here greatly as, as this goes on. So uh, number seven, the Ottawa Red Blacks. At six, the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, once again, kind of coming back down to earth a little bit after a big win over Toronto. They get the Argos again this week, so maybe they have the Argos kryptonite, or maybe it's going to be a motivated Argos team that's ready to avenge their first loss of the season against Calgary. But either way, th this is just, th try as they might, th this is just not a great Calgary Stampeders football club. At five, it is Montreal. Um, that's a, a very strong team out in Montreal that's probably going to reside in the four spot quite a bit, but Saskatchewan gets a win over one of the top three teams, so you got to give it to them. Uh, Saskatchewan moves back into number four. They they were pushing the ball downfield. There was a couple of plays that went their way. Um, they, they get a scare late, but Saskatchewan still comes away with a very important win over the BC Lions. I don't have any uh, delusions that second place could be in the offing for for Saskatchewan. I, I still think it's Winnipeg and BC and everyone else, but Saskatchewan, that, that is a, a win they desperately needed going into the break. And then the top three. At three, it is BC. At two, it is Winnipeg. And at number one remains the Toronto Argonauts. Those are your CFL power rankings for this week. All right, let's now get into some more NFL talk as we get ready for the start of the regular season. I want to do a, a few, as we go along with the show, a few historical check-ins, if you will. So we are going to look at who I believe are the top 10 players in the history of the NFL. In at number 10, this one, um, it, it might ruffle a few feathers a little bit, but it, it is just a, a credit to who I think is the most talented football player I've ever seen, and that is Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yes, the, the, the young quarterback, I'm already putting him in my top 10. Two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl MVP, two-time MVP, um, NFL Offensive Player of the Year in 2018, two-time first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro in 2020, five-time Pro Bowler, two-time NFL passing touchdown leader. He's 84th all-time in passing yards and 58 
eighth all-time in passing touchdowns. So he has some work to do in the counting stats, but he is already among the elite of the elite when it comes to Super Bowl championships and some of the hardware that, that he has brought in. If he retired tomorrow, he's probably not on this list. There is a bit of projecting going on here. I understand it, but I also just wanted to, to talk about like just how good this kid's already been and how amazing it has been to, to watch someone who you kind of knew right away. Well, not right away, but pretty right on, uh, pretty well right away, that this is one of the best players we've ever seen on an NFL football field. I, I think he's the most talented player I've ever seen, certainly the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. And because of that, I felt like he was deserving of being put on this list because he's probably going to, to stay there for a long time. At number nine, I have Randy Moss, a three-time MVP, one-time Offensive Player of the Year, four-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowler inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2018. The only thing that's really missing is the Super Bowl 2007 went the way it went, but that stretch with New England, they were unstoppable. And he, based on his physical gifts, his athleticism, and how much he worked on his craft, he was unguardable for years and years and years and years and years. And how the Raiders weren't able to take advantage of him, I will never know. But it's also like, how did this guy not win a Super Bowl? With um, his time with Chris Carter and Dante Culpepper out in Minnesota to his time with, with Tom Brady that kind of revitalized the, the second era, or I guess maybe... Um, extended the first era of Tom Brady's run. But either way, um, uh, again, an incredible, all these guys are going to be, you can say this, incredible talent, but just an absolute game changer and someone who I think kind of redefined what a wide receiver could be. Randy Moss comes in at number nine. At eight, it is Peyton Manning. He had amazing control of every game he was ever involved in. Two-time Super Bowl champion, five-time MVP, two-time Offensive Player of the Year, uh, seven-time First team all pro, second time, second team all, or sorry, three time, second team all pro, 14 time pro bowler. He has multiple records for like career MVPs, Super Bowl appearances, um, the single season passing yards mark at one point with 5,477, and the single season passing touchdowns mark at 55. He set those in his career. It, it was. It was just art, what he was able to do with a football, and he was obviously riding shotgun a lot against Tom Brady, but uh, a rivalry that defined a generation that made the Indianapolis Colts one of the most watchable and relevant franchises in the NFL, and he was, like, it's just, I can't say it enough, the command he had. Um, his pre-snap reads are probably better than anyone. Um, his execution, obviously phenomenal. And just, it, it's like, he did not deserve that second Super Bowl championship, but he deserves to have two, right? Like, this is a, a player who, it would have felt like a bit, like, it it feels right, him having two. He was the worst player on that Super Bowl, at least the worst starter on that Super Bowl team. But there, there were a lot of years where he probably should have had one, and it just didn't go his way. So, him having two at the end does feel like a... a it makes sense for his career. At number seven, I put Deion Sanders, two-time Super Bowl champion, defensive player of the year, six-time All-Pro, and an eight-time Pro Bowler. He goes into the Hall of Fame in 2011. By the way, Peyton Manning went in uh, in 2021. But Deion Sanders, uh, a corner who a lot of people drew inspiration from, and uh, like he's one of those, like he's your favorite corner's favorite corner, that type of a player. Also, I don't think it gets talked about enough that this guy played... Uh, in the Super Bowl and in the World Series, and was a legitimate big league baseball player while being one of the best NFL players who have ever lived. I, I feel like that doesn't get talked enough, uh, talked about enough right now, especially when we're talking about all-time greats like Shohei Otani. But 
man, like he's just his ability to change a game on the defensive side is especially from a from the secondary it's kind of second to none and so that's why I have him on this list at six it is Walter Payton a personal favorite of mine um went into the Hall of Fame in 1993 a Super Bowl champion one-time MVP one-time offensive player of the year um he's a seven-time all-pro first team one-time second team all-pro and a nine-time Pro Bowler. He was just, he he defined an era of running backs and for a long time, probably still, and you know what? The, the way the running back position is going, probably forever, will be considered a, a top like two or three running back of all time. Um, just the, the running style was punishing. He could take a game over just as a running back. Um, it, it just, everything he could do was, was spectacular. So Walter Payton comes in at six. At five, I have Reggie White, Super Bowl champion, two-time defensive player of the year, three-time NFC defensive player of the year, eight-time first-team All-Pro, five-time second-team All-Pro, and a 13-time Pro Bowler. Uh, one of the best edge rushers, if not the best edge rusher in the history of the National Football League. Just someone who wrecked any game he was a part of basically you had to game plan for him every week and I know that doesn't make him an all-time great but it was just the ferocity with which he did it with those Eagles teams and then on to, to Green Bay just unbelievable at four Lawrence Taylor uh the best defensive player of all time in my opinion Hall of Fame class of 1999 two-time Super Bowl champion one-time MVP eight-time first team all-pro two-time second team all-pro three-time defensive player of the year he was also defensive rookie of the year when you're so good you make another position valuable that is really impressive they made a movie about it turns out it was a bit of a sham but they made a movie about it um like that there he he was just unstoppable um, he, he was an absolute force to be reckoned with and a, a player so dominant, uh, again, coming off of that edge. I said Reggie White was the best edge, right? That's, that's incorrect. I got my, got my, my, my things mixed up because up here you have Lawrence Taylor, uh, who like was obviously the best edge rusher of all time. And again, because of him, you have offensive linemen making tens of hundreds of millions of dollars because you need to protect that side of the football when he is coming. When that is happening, you know you're good. At three, it is Joe Montana, four-time Super Bowl champion, three-time Super Bowl MVP, two-time MVP, three-time first-team All-Pro, second, uh, two-time second-team All-Pro. That's stumbled me this whole time. And an eight-time Pro Bowler. Uh, the best quarterback of all time until a few years ago. Uh, and we'll get to that guy in a minute. But his ability to work in their system was second to none. Um, his ability to come through in big moments, second to none. He was the perfect quarterback at the perfect time for the perfect team. And that that is still one of the all-time great teams of all time. So, uh, all-time great team of all time. That's it. Uh, but, like, there's just... Anything you wanted from a quarterback at that time, he could do, and he was better than anyone at it. At two, it's Jerry Rice. Three-time Super Bowl champion, one-time Super Bowl MVP, one-time MVP, ten-time first-team All-Pro, one-time second-team All-Pro, two-time Offensive Player of the Year, 13-time Pro Bowler, all-time leader in receiving touchdowns, or sorry, in touchdowns, receiving touchdowns, receptions, and consecutive one-reception games with 274 he, uh, for a long time, was kind of just the consensus goat. He could do everything out on the football field. You could not stop him. You could throw your entire team at him. You could not stop him. Whether you wanted him underneath, whether you wanted him over the top, in whatever scenario you wanted Jerry Rice to be in, Jerry Rice was the best. Um, that's that. That's just, that. that's it. If it was, 
if you were to pick one receiver in the history of the NFL who needed to make a catch to like save Earth from invading aliens, it would be that guy. And at number one, it's Tom Brady, seven-time Super Bowl champion, the most in NFL history more than any other sports franchise or more than any other NFL franchise. I guess the Blue Jays don't have any Super Bowls, but you know what I mean. Uh, five-time Super Bowl MVP, the most all-time, three-time MVP, three-time all-first-team um, all-pro, three-time second-team all-pro, two-time offensive player of the year, 15-time Pro Bowler. The, the There are going to be knocks against him, obviously a couple of cheating scandals along the way, but right around when he came back from 28-3 to against the Atlanta Falcons, basically the entire football world was like, yeah, he's probably, probably number one. And then he goes out and does it at the age of a billion with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, just which kind of got away from a lot of the criticism about whether it was the system, whether it was weak division, whether it was blah, 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 blah. And this was not a team carrying him. That defense played exceptionally well in that Super Bowl game, and it was a good defense all season long. But it was Tom Brady who got that team to that Super Bowl. And it's just, he's the GOAT, plain and simple. Uh, again, his, uh, he could make any throw. His preparation was second to none. Again, some of that might have involved cheating, but uh, his preparation was second to none. Could make all of the throws that you would need. Very rarely made a wrong decision. Um, when we think of movement as a quarterback, we, we think of guys like Lamar Jackson or whatever. His awareness and his movement in the pocket to just make a couple like subtle shifts to get you that, uh, to get into that perfect throwing lane. The best ever at that. It's just all the little things a quarterback can do, he did them and he did them better than anybody. And so that, to me, is why Tom Brady is number one. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all so much for uh, for those of you on YouTube for watching, for those of you listening on podcasts, for downloading and for listening. Again, you can get in touch with me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show, CouchPotatoDiary at Yahoo.com. Coming up on the show tomorrow, another mock draft as we go from the number five slot this time. And then coming up on Friday, we are looking at overvalued teams and overvalued players in the NFL. We will have another NFL mock draft. We will look at um, potential title challengers in the Ultimate Fighting Championship now that there's a new champion at the Bantamweight division. And we will get ready for AEW All-In, right? Yeah, All-In, coming up this weekend from Wembley Stadium. So a lot to still get to this week. Thank you all so much, and I will talk to you all later.